For context, let's go back to the beginning of this particular section in chapter 11, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 7. Solomon says, Truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. I don't know if you remember how I put that. It's good to be alive. Verse 8. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are Vanity, that is, they're fleeting. It's like a breath. He gave different ways of doing this in the book of Ecclesiastes. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Put on white clothes. Now, that doesn't, it's not referring to actual literal white clothes. Bright clothes, your best clothes. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. There's going to come a time when these things will pass away. Solomon here in chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, continues to talk to young people. I will often give application to different people, uh, to different places and uh, positions and circumstances of life. This one, Solomon, under the direction of the Spirit, does it. I hope you all are listening to what God has to say, but especially young people, hear, heed what the Lord says here. He said in verses 7 to 10, enjoy the good things that God gives you. And in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, he says basically, now while you're enjoying these good things that God has given you, Also remember that the one who gave it, what's the title, will take it away. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job quoted that, said that, when he lost everything. And it is a principle that exists because we live in a sin-cursed world. Remember your creator, only love him. Only trust him. Worship only him. Obey him. As your creator, he has made you. He has given you life. And as we will see at the end of this passage, he will also take that back. Because the wages of sin is death. When must you trust in the Lord, young person? Solomon tells us three times here. Before, before, before. Do it before the difficult times come. Do it before death. Do it before you become dust. First, trust the Lord before difficult times come. 
the text here in your handout. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. So what exactly will happen? He describes it as difficult days and years. Times of distress. And those times of distress also include the events that eventually result in death. And what effect does it have on you? Solomon said, you're going to get to the point where you're going to say, I don't find much pleasure in life anymore. There's just so much difficulty and so much distress. You know, when you're young, you're going from one thing to the next. You're making plans. You can't wait to get older so that you can get your driver's license and you can do more stuff. You want it all now. And you're involved in it 100%. More often than not, young people have perfect health. They don't have the aches and pains that come with age. You don't have to really worry about working to get money to put bread on the table. It's supplied for you. Mom and dad provide it for you. You don't have to worry about a roof over your head. You don't have to worry about government and politics. It's not anyone on your mind. You're not concerned about problems with employers. You're not concerned about problems with kids because you are a young person. But the longer that you live in this certain cursed world, the more troubles there are, aren't there? The less time and ability you will have for fun and games. Solomon says, while you're young, remember your creator before these distressing times come. And with each of these, we might want to know, well, why? What, what is it about those distressing times? What is it about death? What is it about dust? And we could easily fill in those blanks there. But Solomon doesn't give us the reason. He simply says this. Remember your creator now before that time. A very clear command and instruction. Hear it and heed it. Trust the Lord now. Number two, the largest part of this passage here. Trust the Lord before distressing times associated with death comes, verses 2 and 5. I'm sorry, this should be verses 2 to 7. So scratch that out. This should be verses 2 to 7. This is a poem. No, that's true. That should be 2 to 5. Uncross off what you just crossed off. You don't keep these handouts anyway, okay? I've only met one or two young people, and I'm not going to name their names, but one person in particular who lives in Wisconsin. Oh, I just named her. <laughs> she showed me a picture of all of the bulletins that she kept since she started coming here. It was like that big. And you're probably not there. Verses 2 to 7, and that is true, it's a poem. It's a poem about death and the circumstances that surround death. It is a poem about death and it's things that happen during death and that lead up to death. And that poem about death and its circumstances is from the standpoint of a storm that's coming. 
he uses a poem about a storm coming to show that death is coming. First, a threatening and darkening storm. Verse 2. Remember your creator before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. After you experience some of life's difficulties from verse 1, you will face your greatest difficulty, death. And death is imminent. Imminent means it can happen at any time. More often than not, the kind of people who die are older people. We do know infants can die, and elementary students, and high schoolers, and college students. But more often than not, it's the elderly. Solomon hinted at this kind of difficulty and sorrow in chapter 11 and verse 10. He said, remove sorrow from your heart. But here in chapter 12, verse 2, he stops hinting and he spells it all out and he uses the same Hebrew word. And he says here, the difficult days, they are here, they're come. This imminent death is pictured by a sun and moon and stars darkening. You can't see them because of the clouds, the storm and the rain. But these clouds that have come, it says at the end of that statement there, the clouds return after the rain. Solomon hinted at the dark time in chapter 11, verse 8. The days of darkness. Again, here he stops hinting. He spells it all out. The moon and the stars are darkened. And so remember your creator. Young people, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could promise you, that as you get older, life is going to get even better. I really wish I could. But it's not. That's kind of a downer, isn't it? People with businesses, they take this fact. These are the best years of your life. And they try to sell stuff to you. When I was in high school, went to a public high school, and I was a, a freshman. And so the uh, particular people started wanting to sell stuff to us. And so they gathered us all together and they said, as a young person, as a high schooler from Caledonia High School, you need a class ring. These are the best years of your life. You need to remember these. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I thought this Praise the Lord for my godly parents of the church I went to. But as a 15-year-old, if these are the best years of my life, it's all going to go downhill from here. <laughs> this is a long way down. This is, why? Oh, dear. If these are the best years of my life, this is terrible. I didn't like the public high school. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out. Young people, it's not going to get better. It's like an approaching storm, Solomon says here. The closer it is, the more dangerous it looks. It's ominous. It's dark. It's sinister. 
It's hard. And after days and days of cloudy rain, what do we look forward to after days and days of cloudy rain, especially here in Northeast Ohio? We look forward to what? Seeing some sunshine again. And we say, finally. But Solomon says, that's not what's going to happen here. After the rain comes, the clouds return. The sun after the rain, that's not how it happens with life in a sin-cursed world. The sunny days of youth never come back. The rain gets worse, and instead of sun, clouds bring worse conditions. What are the effects of the storm, number two? The effects of the storm. He doesn't leave. Solomon is not leaving the idea of the storm here. The descriptions, he's continuing it. We know that because he says in the beginning of verse 3 there, in the day when. And the same kind of sky and atmosphere conditions that he's describing here, he had just talked about in chapter 11, verses 3 to 7. So what is a threatening and darkening storm effect? A threatening and darkening storm first affects, verse 3a, it affects men. That's your first blank there. It affects men. Solomon says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down. Violent storms make the bravest guards and the strongest men cower and run for shelter. Storms do not play favorites. It doesn't respect people and who you are. And the same thing with death. Now, I know you young men because all of us men were in your shoes at one time too. And when we, were, when we hear something like, this causes the strongest and bravest to cower and to tremble, what does the bravado of a young man do? Nothing makes me afraid. Oh, really? You're out playing baseball. You see some clouds coming, but you keep playing baseball because you're having fun. And all of a sudden, right when you're getting ready to throw a ball, what happens? A gigantic, thunderous clap. Lightning strikes the tree. And you just calmly look over and say, oh, look what happened. No, that's not what you're going to do. I guarantee you, young men, what's going to happen? You're going to jump. Your hand's going to, your hair's going to stand up on end and tingle. And you're not just going to stay there. You're getting out of there. You're running for shelter. That's what's being talked about here. A threatening and darkening storm also affects, secondly, women. The second part of third, verse 3 to the beginning part of verse 4 there. Here Solomon says, When the women grinding cease because they're few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding has faded. The word for grinders here, if you want to get into some fun Hebrew, it's a feminine plural participle. So that's the idea of women grinders. Okay, They're grinding grain into flour. And as these women who are grinding grain into flour, as they see the storm getting closer and closer and closer and closer, what do they do? They stop working, as it says here. They stop working. 
They flee to their homes. They close the doors behind them. And they solemnly look out the window at the coming disastrous storm. No one's going out and about in the streets. As it says there, the doors are shut in the streets. They've all gone in. They've shut the doors to protect themselves from what's coming. They're fleeing for their lives. The storm is unavoidable. It's frightening. It brings an end to daily responsibilities, to work, to joy, and yes, fun, games, and those type type of things. Third, a threatening and darkening storm affects birds. Affects birds. Though the sound of a bird rises up, all these daughters of music are brought low. Also, they're afraid of height and terrors in the way. Normally, birds chirp and they sing and they do so with lots of energy. We have a brother in our midst here who loves listening to the birds. He has an app on his phone. He can listen. And I got that one time and I tried to listen to it, but it just, it just birds to me. And I can tell the difference between a red-winged blackbird and maybe a blue jay. But it's kind of like flowers. Yeah, it's a flower. No, Dan, that's a dandelion. It's a weed. Oh, okay. Not my forte. But we know what birds do. They sing and they chirp. They have lots of energies and they're flying around. But when this storm is coming, they stop their music. These daughters of music stop singing because the thunder growls, it bangs, there's rumbles, the lightning cracks and crashes. And so the birds don't want to be in the sky. The height, the beginning there of verse four. They don't even want to be on the roads because that's where the effects of the storm are, washing away and causing great turmoil and damage. A threatening and darkening storm on the, next, on the other side of your page. Your hand out there. A threatening and darkening storm also affects plants and insects. Plants and insects. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. Three things are mentioned here. First, the almond tree. Now, remember what I said about, I don't know about birds, and I don't know about flowers. The same thing goes for trees, too. I think I've learned the difference between a maple and an oak tree. I definitely know what is the, the green kind with things that stick out that... Yeah, the pine tree, yeah. You see, this is not... So I had to do some study about what's, what is this almond tree. In their area, this is the first tree to blossom. The first tree to blossom. People would look forward to the almond tree blossoming because when the almond tree blossomed, what was their feeling then? Hey, winter's coming to an end. Spring is coming. This is great. This is exciting. Why does Solomon mention the almond tree here? Who's he talking to? He's talking to young people who are in the springtime of life. But back to the almond tree here. The first hints of spring may be seen, but what is coming? What's on the horizon? What's getting nearer? That storm is coming. 
and it will bring an end to that almond tree. The second thing is a, an insect, a grasshopper. We think of grasshoppers, we think of those things that bounce, and this one isn't doing that. The effects of the storm cause it to crawl along sluggishly. The third thing is the, the caperberry. The caperberry was, I call, I call the caperberry as I studied that. This is uh, nature's energy drink. We know about energy drinks that are out there. And this is what the caperberry would do. People would eat this and it would give them a little spunk, a little energy and keep them going. And you might say, well, caffeine is for that. Well, the caperberry, you could just eat it and just do it right for you then. Now, y'all are going to go to Circle K and look for caperberry energy drink, aren't you? But what about the caperberry in the storm? It's rendered ineffective. The storm destroys it so that it can't accomplish its purposes. Nothing escapes the storm. And what's the climax or the low part, <laughs> if you want, of the storm? This number three here. Man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Death is clearly referred to here by the storm. It is coming. It is imminent. It causes the strongest men to run. It causes women to stop working. It keeps plants and insects from doing what they would normally want to do. Birds can't stop singing. This is what death does. And his poem here is saying, it's coming. And this is what it does. At death, you take your last breath. You're buried. Your ability to live, as he says here, returns to God. And all that are left are mourners. The mourners go about the street. Those who loved you, who now don't have you with them anymore, they have, as it were, been slugged in the gut by your death. It's been a terrible blow. And they can't do anything about it except weep because they miss you. Young person, while you enjoy the great things about youth, God, through Solomon here, says, you must trust the Lord now while you are enjoying these good things. Enjoy those things now. Trust the Lord because death is coming. Right now it's sweet, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it's exhilarating. But those times are very short. This shortness is emphasized three times. When Solomon says before, before, before. These times will end. The clock is ticking and it will stop. Third, trust the Lord before your life ends and you meet God. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was 
and the spirit will return to God who gave it. We have here four pictures of broken things. A silver cord, a golden bowl, a pitcher, and a wheel. What is this talking about? It's simply this. It is four pictures of things that at one time were valuable and useful, but now they're worthless and broken. It is continuing that picture of death. It is brutal. It's final. It's smashed. It's broken. It's crushed. This is what happens at death. And death is brutal. Young people, death is final. It breaks you. It crushes you. And its effect on you, number two, is that your body will return to dust. It's no longer useful. It can't do what it once did. And the life that you had, that God gave, it goes back to God, as it were. Solomon closes things off, number four, with his theme statement of this book. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. It is a frustrating enigma. Life in a sin-cursed world, it's incomprehensible. It's a puzzle. You try to figure it out, but God doesn't give you the final answer. When you try to make sense of this, from the joyous dawn of life to the difficult clouds and storm that lead to death, you're trying to figure it out, you'll be totally discombobulated especially if you're a young person. Because you're at the beginning and you just told, you've just been told these are the best days of your life. And you think, if these are the best days, what's life about? I can't make sense of it. Your ultimate gain and purpose in life is not to try to bring it all to a final, happy, cohesive conclusion. You can't do that. God hasn't told you that. But what he has told you is as you're going through this, know me. Know your creator. Remember me. Trust in me. Repent and trust in Jesus Christ. Solomon is saying right here, the time to trust the Lord, it's right now. Right now. Because the longer you live, the closer death gets. When you're young, the storm of distress and death, it seems a long way off, doesn't it? But it is coming. It is coming. The Lord gave life, and because of sin, the Lord will take that away. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. I have a picture at the cu- of a couple there at the bottom of your sheet. You might be wondering, what's up with this? You can probably figure it out, okay? This is a, a couple that, especially uh, the, the man, is a hero of mine. His name is Duane Brown. His wife's name is Shirley. They were married, as you see there, April 13, 1952. And they were 19 years old. You look at that young couple there and you think, 
What do we often say when we see a young couple like that? We think, what babies? And I wanted to get a similar picture of those who've been married similar. Nobody's been married here this similar length of time. They were married 70 years. 70 years. 19 years old. And both of them this year went to be with the Lord. Shirley in February, Duane just this past fall. Look at that young people. Look at the look, look at that young that picture of that young couple there. What's on their faces? Smiles. Well, you smiles are on their faces when they're older too. That's by God's grace. Look at their hair. Look at the hair when they were young, and look at their hair when they were ninety something. Quite a change, isn't it? They weren't wearing glasses. They were, at the end, a lot more wrinkles, not nearly as tight as skin, a lot more skin. Try to imagine their lives as a newlywed couple, teenagers, newlyweds, enthusiasm. Excitement, new job, new ministry. He was a faithful pastor. He was a Bible college president. He was the president of the American Council of Christian Churches. New children, birthdays, Christmases. Exciting new experiences. Where are their bodies now? They at one time were these 19-year-olds. And now their bodies are in graves in Des Moines, Iowa, becoming dust. And their life is no longer. They have been broken, shattered, no longer able to live. This is what happens to every young person. I look at this couple and I just, my my heart goes up to thankfulness to God. The ministry he's had in my life, the privilege to serve alongside him. He's prayed for me. He has prayed for you. I think of their 70 years together and I think, thank you, Lord. But then I also think of myself. I'm in the middle of that. Trish and I aren't even to the halfway yet of the 70 years marriage. And then I think of our young people here. Young people, this is you. And when you're young, you think it lasts forever. I will never be old enough to get my driver's license. I will never be old enough to live on my own. But what happens you do get old enough, and seemingly the older you get, the faster the years go. Young people, the time to trust Christ is now. Live for Christ now. Devote yourself to Christ today as you are enjoying 
these wonderful times. What about those here this morning? You are in these distressing times. You are closer to death than you are to your youthful years. You can smell the rain and you're starting to feel the raindrops of the storm that's coming. Trust in Christ now. Live for Christ now. Use what God has given you for him. Devote yourself to Christ. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Remember your creator. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away.